0: Welcome to the Nutrition Ish podcast, real food, mindset, and everything in between. I'm Allie Hobson, a nutritional therapy practitioner, holistic mama, and clean beauty advocate. I work as a clinical nutritionist for two healthcare clinics here in San Diego and run my own business virtually as an NTP supporting women with their health, hormones, and body balance from a root cause approach. I specialize in gut healing, autoimmune conditions, thyroid, preconception, and pregnancy wellness by rebalancing the body with the nutrients it needs and the mindset it deserves.
1: I'm Chelsea Gross, a certified nutrition and mindset coach.
0: I support women worldwide via virtual coaching in creating a healthy relationship with food in their bodies. I specialize in freedom from dieting and restriction, disordered eating, binge
2: eating, obsession and perfectionism, plus body image confidence and self-love. Remember our disclaimer. This podcast is intended to be informative and entertaining and should
0: not replace medical advice, treatment, or diagnosis. We're so excited you're here. Let's
2: get to the episode.
0: You're listening to episode 92 of the Nutrition Ish podcast. Hey guys, it's Allie. I wanted to give you just a quick little backstory on our interview today, but I had the pleasure of interviewing two lovely founders of my favorite baby food brand called Serenity Kids. So Serenity Carr is the co-founder and CEO of Serenity Baby Kids Food. And she came into this space and really started this company because she had a lot of issues kind of growing up with digestive things and food sensitivities, et cetera. So having healed her digestive issues through a lifestyle and diet change, she was really passionate about starting and creating something to where she could give her baby the same nutrient-dense foods that she was seeing so much success with. And then her husband, Joe Carr, is the president of Serenity Baby Food Kids. Um, also the co-founder and he is a certified life coach he does a lot of work in the autism space having grown up with autism himself and he as well saw a huge transformation in his life once he switched the foods he was eating so Serenity and Joe started this brand because they wanted their baby girl Della to grow up healthy and strong they began looking for baby foods and were pretty much outraged by how much sugar and how little nutrition was available So they decided to make their own. They were focusing on specific ingredients, which this is the part that really kind of wowed me and is really fascinating. So they wanted to mimic the nutrients actually in breast milk. Serenity Kids baby food is made from pasture-raised meats, uh, sourced from small American farms, and high-quality organic vegetables and oils. Serenity Kids purees are balanced, blended, savory meals that contain the most nutrition per bite for your little one. So they will give their personal story as you listen, but I just wanted to give you the little background on the brand and the company itself. So I hope you guys enjoy this interview as much as I did. Welcome back to the podcast, everybody. This is Allie. Um, I am getting to do a super fun interview with two founders of my favorite baby food products ever. And I was just telling them they have literally single handedly saved my sanity, my motherhood, um, just even my child in terms of eating and foods. They've created the most nutrient dense baby food that I can find on the market. And I'm going to talk to them all about how they started the company, why they started the company, specifically talking about ingredients that they choose to use, sourcing, all of that fun stuff. So I'm going to hand it right off to them just to introduce themselves. So welcome guys to the podcast.
1: Yeah. Thanks, Allie. We're super excited to be here and to share our story with your audience. I am Serenity. I'm Joe. And we are parents to 20-month-old little Della who is our first and only child, and we really started the company for her because, like you, we wanted to find more nutrients options on the baby food aisle, and we felt, you know, we eat this way in our personal lives and really wanted to make sure that our kid and kids everywhere had access to high-quality, convenient foods.
0: That's amazing. So I'm curious, did you guys either, I mean, either of you have a background in anything health related, nutrition, or was it something that you all of a sudden baby turns, you know, maybe it's that six month mark and you're like, oh, we have to start feeding her something. I wonder what that's going to be. Like, how did this kind of even come about?
1: Yeah, good question. So my uh, my story actually starts in utero when I was being before I was even born. My mom wanted to do the very best thing she could do for me and eat the very best way. And back in the '70s, she thought that was to be a vegetarian, and she ate a lot of grains and wheat and things that I know now my body doesn't tolerate at all. And so when I was two weeks old, I got my first ear infection. And then I proceeded to have childhood filled with all kinds of illnesses, you know, not like, not serious hospital stuff, but ear, nose and throat things. Um, I took a ton of antibiotics throughout my childhood, which then caused digestive problems. You know, we know now is leaky gut. We didn't know that back then. Um, and so I started having a lot of health problems uh, as an adult, uh, actually as a teenager, and started taking antacids every day when I was 16. And, um, you know, after 15 years of that, they stopped working and my, my digestion got worse and my doctor put me on a, a medicine to take every day for the rest of my life. And I knew I didn't want that. I didn't know what I wanted, but I didn't want that. And so I tried changing my diet and it worked, you know, it worked. And so I really started out with a paleo approach just because my dad had been doing it for about a year and recommended it. I honestly, when I first heard of it, I thought it was the dumbest thing I'd ever heard. <laughs> you know, like eat like a caveman? Are you that crazy? <laughs> but I was desperate. You know, I didn't want to take that pill every day, and so this was back in 2010. And there were, I would say, I would say little to no, except the actual answer is no. There were zero options for um, pre-packaged foods, convenience things for people who wanted to eat with, like I did, which was mostly a diet of. Heavy on the vegetables, um, a lot of healthy fats, ethically sourced clean meats, and with a little bit of fruit and nuts kind of thrown on top, and, and, and I'm also a foodie, so I love cooking, I love anything about food, I love grocery stores, like the whole thing, and so I really dug deep into um, the research, and I like to eat well, so I had to cook all my own food. You know, I couldn't go out and get um, anything that tasted super awesome, which I really love. And so that's really where my background became. It was back in those early years, I just read all the books and listened to all the podcasts. And now there actually are like you know paleo and AIP and all kinds of low fodmap cookbooks and everything. Um, and so really that's where the knowledge came from. And then when this was back in um, 2016, Joe and I started talking about having a family, and we were at Paleo FX the world only paleo conference really and um, we started looking around for baby food and we didn't find anything and I thought well I guess we'll have to make all of our own baby food but Joe was on a hunt he was on a hunt for a new company to start and he came back from a talk you want to tell the story
2: yeah. Um, well, I think we'll, we'll tease that to go in my background real quick. So to build up to that moment of paleo effects, when we discovered the lack of good baby food was for me, I I'm autistic and Uh, I had a very difficult childhood because I wasn't diagnosed. They didn't know what was wrong with me. I was super intense, big, huge energy. I was, you know, very extroverted, very creative, which didn't fit the stereotype of the Asperger's, what they understood to be Asperger's or or autism at the time. And so they just, I think my official diagnosis was obnoxious. (laughs) I I was just... Obnoxious and too big, too, too big for any classroom or friend group. So, was constantly in trouble and bullied and isolated, until my mom discovered the performing arts. That that I, my autistic superpower, you know, was to uh, on the stage. That big energy was great in theater, music, dance. So, at age seven, I basically became a, a burgeoning pro- professional child actor. I was doing movies and television and that kind of thing. And um, in, in middle school, this semi-popular girl took me under her wing and decided to teach me social skills. Uh, she, I was annoying her in English class one day, and she turns to me and says, you know what, my friends and I, we're going to teach you how to be cool. And I was like, I will do whatever you say. <laughs> and, you know, wh- and I learned the most important lesson of my life, which was that I could take feedback and become better, that I could implement change and and you know, elicit feedback from others. And so I did what they said and I became cool and have set me on a track of always trying to improve and be better and, and find feedback. And then in high school, I discovered that I, in addition to changing myself, I could also change the world and I'm really passionate about social justice and community service and equality and um, set me on a, a, you know, a path of of. of Of changing the world, which because I had such a difficult childhood, really, I was passionate mostly about changing the world for kids. So I've, you know, tried, tried a lot of different ways to change the world for kids. I started a youth nonprofit, I've worked with a bunch of youth nonprofits, I've worked in a bunch of schools, eventually would love to start my own community education program. Um, But uh, diet was always a big important part of my autism journey, because, you know, there's tons of food sensitivities and Uh, Different things that I discovered in adulthood, I could change the way I ate. As a kid, I lived on canned ravioli and nachos. That was my, as a picky eater, that was my foods I would eat. And I was overweight and I had constant stomach pain, plus all the behavior stuff. So I was already on a pathway of changing my diet when I met Serenity. And uh, she was a paleo food coach at the time. She'd left her job in Fortune 500 companies to help others heal themselves with food. And met her at a, a lecture that my company put on. And uh, I fell in love with her and fell in love with Paleo at the same time. And Paleo food was one of the final things that really helped integrate my autism. Um, But I've always been a self-starter and and looking for the the next way to change the world. And and I had been working for a personal growth startup for adults doing coaching and workshops and became their head of sales. They taught me how to lead a sales team and uh, lead an organization after my nonprofit had failed because of my leadership issues. But they were what it was like 90 hour weeks and, you know, really intensive. We were planning to have a baby. I was like, I can't keep working. like This there has got to be a better way. So I quit that job, not knowing what was coming next. It was a big leap of faith. Like, I don't know what I'm going to do, but it's got to be better than this. And I read the four hour work week by Tim Ferriss. He outlined a process for changing the world through by creating a product, which had never occurred to me to use a product. And uh, so I started looking for gaps in the different communities I was in of where, where this could come in. And it was less than a month later that we found, discovered the lack of good quality baby food.
0: That's such an amazing story. I, it's like, you guys are like a match made in heaven. Literally, (laughs) you have such a foundation, which is so, I mean, and like you said, it's changing the world, which literally it starts with kids. You know, it's like, I never knew I was going to be so passionate. I mean, so Asher is my first baby as well. And it's like, I never knew I was going to be so passionate about everything with motherhood, everything with kids and baby. And it's really, I mean, even in my nutrition practice, it's like my most passionate thing I love doing right now is working with moms and preconception and prenatal. It's like, you're planting the seeds for literally our future. And of course, food has a huge, huge role in that. So um, I guess to kind of uh, even like wrap up, like, okay, so the paleo idea for baby's food, I completely agree. Obviously, I think putting into play everything that you know, um, when you're talking about vegetarian and grains, and while those are okay, in some circumstances, there are really foundational foods that can be so helpful for babies. It's just not always what anybody thinks of first. Um, Like people, you know, friends of mine, I feel like, even outside of kind of my nutrition or wellness world are like, wait, you gave him what? Like that's his first food, like liver pate? Like I'm so confused. Mm -hmm. And we had actually done recently um, an episode with a friend of mine who does babies first foods classes and all of that. So um, if you guys haven't listened to that, um, listeners go back and listen to that in addition to this episode. But um, so my first thought was exactly yours. I'm going to make my own baby purees because there's nothing that I can really find that's you know okay. And sure I could buy just butternut squash in a can sure but I always felt it's almost like I felt guilty kind of doing that for a part of time like I don't want to just give him one food I want to give him a blend of something we know that you know fats and proteins and sugars they all work together and they help balance out so much in the body so I did make a few my own Um, they were terrible and he hated all of them <laughs> and I was actually a friend of mine who said hey you should really try serenity kids because they actually taste good and they blend them with things like avocado oil and olive oil and they have protein and I was like that's great because you know meats to me are one of the baby's first foods and no other company at least that I've ever seen like you said which is why you started the business is no other company is putting out meats or any type of you know proteins animal products and baby food so you guys can walk us through maybe I guess we kind of know why you did the blends you did um, but you have certain things like bison you have turkey you have chicken um, let's see beef butternut squash spinach I mean I know all of them because I literally have <laughs> in my pantry and we use them daily. But if you want to walk us through maybe why did you choose like pairing certain things together? Was that just you guys in your kitchen trying a thousand recipes and being like, nope, this one tastes terrible. Let's start over. This one tastes great. Let's keep that. Like, How did you kind of come up with these recipes? And then if you want to talk a little bit about the protein, I guess, aspect um, instead of just vegetables, that would be awesome.
1: Yeah. So Actually was based very little on taste, surprisingly. Like I expected taste to matter a lot more. But what I realized, so after we were at the conference and Joe said, I think we should start a baby food company. And I'm like, what? You know, so then I launched into my summer of nerddom, 2016. I spent the entire summer uh, reading books, listening to podcasts, reading blog posts on infant nutrition. Conveniently, a bunch of paleo, like leaders had had children recently back in those days, so I could read all the blogs about what they're feeding their kids, and it took me about a month to realize, oh wait a second, there already is a perfect baby food out there, and it's mother's milk. So I launched into a study of learning all about mother's milk and really looked at most of the macronutrient profile. You know, there's. I mean, try, try to look up breast milk. It is very complicated. The research is just not there for, mm-hmm. for the most part. But I could at least find the macronutrient profiles. So, you know, the calories from mother's milk are about half half carbs with a little bit of protein in there, which surprised me. The protein. And, you know, the younger the babies, the smaller protein, the higher, the older the is, the more protein in the milk, and that kind of thing happens. But I realized that, you know, when we looked at, we did a study of, Baby food pouches on the market, and all, they were almost all fruit. as I mean, as they still are, almost all fruit. And I was really sad to see the lack of fat, the lack of protein, like you mentioned. And so, really, that's what we decided to do. We decided to make blends that had, you know, a decent amount of fat, a decent amount of carbs, with some protein thrown in there for our meat ones. You know, we do have some veggie ones that you know, all kids can be fickle eaters or parents need different options. So we do have that is uh, very, very low protein, just plant proteins that are vats mixed with vegetables. But what we did that summer was, you know, Joe had the idea to start the company, I figured out that what was on the aisle was the exact opposite of what babies needed to eat as first foods, frankly. And so then I thought, Oh, no, what if, these baby foods don't exist because babies won't eat them. So we got—I called Joe. I remember I was coming home from my my real job at the time, and I was like, "We've got to start making these baby foods and seeing if we can find some babies to eat them and seeing if some babies will eat it." And I'll never forget my friend texted me a picture of her kid, who was you know about a year old, holding on to our little homemade baby food pouch. It was the chicken pea, and carrot blend, actually. And she said, he loved it so much. He wouldn't let me take the pouch away. And I cried, you know, I'm like, okay, so babies will eat nutrition, nutrient dense, you know, super hardcore on the vitamins, the protein, the fat, they will eat that stuff. So that's not why no one's making it. It must be for some other reason. Uh, that's really how we came up with the blends. We cooked them in our kitchen and we tried them out on babies, and we let the babies vote. You know, <laughs> turns out not many babies voted for beef and broccoli, which is why we don't have that one out there. Um, but the our first three flavors we launched came up with that, with that exact summer: the chicken, the beef, and the bacon flavors. We all came up with that first summer.
0: And why? I mean, is that why do you think that most companies are doing? fruit? Is it really just, I mean, yeah. Why is that? It It, it doesn't make sense to me.
1: It is so cheap. It is cheap to produce, you know, producing, um, producing our, um, meat products is a different, it requires a different kind of process in the factory. So in order to keep it shelf stable, it has to go through a different, more, more expensive process. And I think that was part of it. I also also think, you know, I read a book called Inventing Baby Food, which is a, a great read if you're really into baby food. Um, mm-hmm. And there actually were nutrient-dense baby foods out there in the 40s, the 50s, the early parts of the 60s. There was liver pate and bone broth and marrow and all kinds of cool, you know, dense foods. But I think that the kind of low-fat, more vegetarian movement really also hurt the baby food diet. That's my suspicion.
2: Just to run down the, the stats real quick on what we found at babies, just so you can see what the status of the aisle was before us. We looked at 246 organic baby food pouches. Uh, had an average of nine grams of sugar. So a lot of sugar per pouch, which is, you know, pretty much all from fruit. Uh, less contained meat. None of those were well-sourced meat. So it was just, you know, your standard uh, factory farm. Uh, all of the ones with meat also contain some kind of grain or corn or oats or filler, legumes, things that are not uh, nutritious and also tasted bad. So the 4% meats and fillers and, and didn't have fat and were kind of gross. And, uh, and then less than 2% had, or sorry, less than 1% had 2 grams or more of fat. So there was almost no fat. The few that had a little bit of fat was either from, was mostly from dairy. Uh, and otherwise it's like pretty much fat. So we had a, a very, very fruit-heavy aisle, some vegetables mixed in fruits. Uh, but, you know, the, the food industry is addicted to sugar. Uh, it's, well, America's addicted to sugar, but the food industry specifically thinks Americans won't eat it if they if they don't put sugar in it, especially children. Like, there's this myth that kids, you have to sweeten kids' foods and then spring with baby, and they're essentially making true by... Giving sweet foods to babies young that their palate is tainted towards sweet, uh, but they're just afraid that they wouldn't sell. Like like Cerny said, they they think organic fruit is a health food. Like they're they don't understand that fruit sugar is basically does a lot of the same problematic things as cane sugar, or, you know, soda pop, and uh, and and the processing yes yeah, it's, it's a lot more expensive to 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 do a low acid product. So acid and makes it much cheaper to make shelf stable. And so with the introduction of the pouches, it even got worse. Like the jars were a little bit better back in the day, but the pouches are even sweeter.
0: Yeah. It's interesting what you're saying is we assume that babies have the same taste buds automatically, maybe as we do, or as kids, it's like, if it's sweeter, it tastes better. My kid will not eat fruit. Like he's eaten maybe a few bites of oranges, (laughs) like a little bit of strawberries here and there. I put fruit down and he is just kind of like, eh, it's fine. But I think because the foods that I first introduced were, you know, proteins and a lot of vegetables, kid will eat you know, protein and veggies all day long and wants nothing to do with anything. Even like a a yogurt, like I, you know, have bought like just plain, um, like grass fed, you know, organic dairy yogurt and I'll try and mix in some strawberry. He just doesn't want it. He would rather eat it completely plain. And I'm like, that's great. I love this about you, (laughs) but it's like kids will gravitate towards what they're introduced to. Mm
1: -hmm. I agree. And you know, the thing is, our daughter, we've got all these things and she still loves fruit and sweet things. She eats eat them if they're there. Mm-hmm. You know, she knows the word banana, even though we don't have them in our house, but you know, I'll, I'll never forget we were at a party a couple months ago and i was holding her on my hip and I turn around, she's holding the entire bunch of bananas. The top. <laughs> she like picked them off off the counter and I'm like, you know what it is? You know, we don't need bananas, but she had had some, or Nana gave it to her, you know, somebody. And that little thing, I mean, she, she can eat some fruit you know
2: yeah it's, it's called the flavor window it's the do, it's this documented thing that between ages of uh, basically four months and a year and a half what they eat during that time affects that can taint their their palate forever and they've been looking at childhood obesity to sugar introduced too early and particularly the lack of meat like there's a correlation between how much meat an infant gets and, and their obesity rate later in life. So it's actually a really important time that was something we didn't really know that much about when we've set off for this, but has been something parents have really valued that our products taste like vegetables. There were other products on the market that had vegetables. They just tasted sweet. They'd put, they'd be called super veggies and it would have kale and spinach, but the first ingredient would be apple you know? And so with ours, you know, the, the, it tastes good and you can taste the savory quality of the meat and veggies really sets them up for healthy eating later your life. Hmm.
0: That's so interesting. I didn't know that about the flavor window. That's really, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So, so this you're is doing actually, a good job,
1: mom. Okay, good.
0: Thank mm-hmm. you. <laughs> Only because of you guys, honestly. <laughs> um, that was kind of a a perfect segue actually into maybe talking about the way that um, you guys are manufacturing and sourcing. So how, when you said it's more expensive to do things with meat um, and proteins, how to make them shelf stable. Can you explain a little bit about where you're getting um, your products, where the animals are either raised or how you're kind of going through this manufacturing process?
2: You know, sourcing was super important to me. Uh, my mom grew up on a small family farm in southern Missouri, and, you know, as part of my uh, becoming, you know, conscious of the world, uh, this, the plight of animals was really important to me. I actually became vegetarian, vegan for several years in high school college, and always really valued animal rights, and then grew up seeing my, my, my mom's parents you know, in this harmonious lifestyle they had with the animals, and also how their economic struggles, how tough it is to be a family farmer and to use humane uh, farming practices is expensive and it's disincentivized in this country you know it's basically you're incentivized to do it wrong to torture animals to destroy the environment you know there's an economic incentive you have to really like it's already hard enough to be a small farmer but then to use these better practices is even tougher so we serenity was you know it taught me that the nutrient density of pasture-raised meats and organic vegetables is higher there's actually more nutrition you raise it in a way that's more in harmony with nature and less destructive to the animal, to the environment. But in addition to that, uh, you know, we, I really wanted to support people like my grandparents and the commitment to sourcing, family farmed, uh, uh, humanely raised, uh, pasture raised meats and organic vegetables. I've also always been a really avid environmentalist, always had an organic garden myself, you know, I drove a- car ran on vegetable oil for many years now I have an electric car you know and so just have always been looking for ways to improve the environment and so when we learned about generative agriculture it was like a whole nother level we're like whoa not only can we get meat that is extra nutritious for babies we can support farmers like my grandparents that are doing it right that need the extra support but that are also making the land better the way that they raise their animals. And uh, mimicking the way animals behave in nature in such a way that is actually improving soil microbial growth, reducing runoff, uh, sequestering carbon, like actually reducing climate change, uh, and all while making healthy meat and and vegetables for, for babies together was really exciting that we could really do all of that and make a bunch of money at the same time, basically, you know, was like amazing to me. And that was exactly what Tim Ferriss describes around finding something that is in line with your mission, that also makes money, that people want, that makes the, the, the world better. Um, and so the sourcing was super important. We put it on the pouch so that we would have to always source it because the MTA, if we say it's from a small family farm, we have to show affidavits that the farm is a certain size and that 80% of the people working there family members and so forth. So we partnered with these co-ops of family farms that basically said, hey, it's really hard to to, to keep this lifestyle. So we're going to pool our resources and be able to supply in bulk for companies like us. And we've even been a part of growing some of those co-ops as we've been guaranteed a certain amount of of purchasing from them. So it's really contributed to the growth uh, of pasture-raised um, animal systems, as well as regenerative agriculture animal systems, um, while also making the baby food super nutritious. In um, turn, and you describe our process, how we get it into the pouch and make it shelf stable.
1: Yeah, I love factories. My favorite episode of Mr. Rogers growing up were always the picture videos where he would make you can see crayons or graham crackers being made in the factory so the factory is my my home sweet home so what we use basically we take puree and we blend everything together all the vegetables in these giant kettles and then we pump it into the pouches which is pretty tricky to do And then within a very short window, we do what's called a retort process, which sounds like a fancy word, but it's basically just like a home canning process where you use pressure and heat sustained for a certain amount of time. And then that would kill any any potential microbes so that it can stay shelf stable. I kind of, I always say it's um, it's like a can of chili. Mm -hmm. It's the same process that we use for our pouches. It's just in a pouch format rather than a can. So really like, Technically, it can stay healthy to eat and good for a very long time. You know, they're digging up cans from World War II and stuff, and the food's still edible inside. It probably wouldn't taste for that long, you know, but it's extremely safe. And we decided, you know, it was, it was a hard call, actually, starting the company because it is a complicated, expensive process. And we had a few failures line when we first started. So we were trying to use equipment made for fruit puree for our meat purees, which was different, you know, it was just a different way of, um, so we had to make some tweaks to the equipment and things. And, you know, we talked a lot about, should we offer a refrigerated product? Should we freeze it? You know, there are other ways to preserve foods like ours, but really, you know, as a, almost a mom, like you know, a couple of years, I was a couple of years away from motherhood, but I realized that the convenience was just paramount. you know, that's why the pouches work, because they're so convenient. 94% of baby food is bought in a pouch these days. And that's why. So I didn't want to confuse anybody. Like I've got this pouch that goes in the refrigerator and that one that doesn't have to go in the refrigerator, you know? Um, And so we found a factory that makes, um, they're super experts at all of this. They make a lot of other meat foods and foods that are made with the same kind of process. And so,
2: we had, there were other concerns with the pouch, and that turned out to be not as big a concern as we thought. Um, one was the environmental concern. They're not, you know, city recycling does not recycle the pouches, so they end up in landfills. Um, and uh, but we discovered that actually they have a much lower carbon footprint than jars because they're so much cheaper to move around, and the amount of fossil fuels spent shipping empty and then full packaging, and then the trash is so high that it takes 26 trucks to, to transport a million jars, only takes one truck to transport a million pouches They're flat. And so even though, and then with recycling, you know, one out of five, only one out of five recyclable items actually gets recycled. Americans don't actually recycle. So these jars are filling up landfills even though they're recyclable, whereas the flat pouch takes up a lot less space in the landfill. So um, plus our pouch facility is run on solar power and is selling, selling our uh, back to the grid. So they're like reducing their, carbon footprint, uh, you know, through the way they're produced. Um, and then the other issue is the nutritional, is there any nutrition lost with our processing, right? Processed foods yeah. are sort of known to degrade nutrition. So we did a lot of uh, research into this to learn about, and we, you know, we haven't done a ton of like side-by-side testing to say, well, this one has this and ours has this, but basically um, when you they did research on on cooking methods and pressure cooking is actually the preserves the most nutrition of any kind of heat process. Anytime you add heat, you're gonna kill some of the vitamins. If you don't hurt anything else? It doesn't hurt the fat. Doesn't hurt the protein. Doesn't hurt the carbohydrates. Doesn't hurt the fiber. Doesn't hurt the minerals. But the vitamin content specifically will be degraded by heat.
1: Mostly antioxidants.
2: Especially yeah. And so, but pressure cooking destroyed fewest amount of when we looked at it so uh, whereas boiling which the fruit pouches are made they're boiled for a really long time that had the worst literally the nutrients are boiled off uh whereas ours are never boiled it's brought up to just hot enough to pump and then it's pressure cooked in the in the retort and so we you know without a lot of testing to prove that we're preserving maximum nutrition that process, plus our vegetables are flash frozen right at the time of harvest. So uh, they also prove that, that there's more nutrition in vegetables flash frozen than there are on the ones that you're at the stand in the, in the, in the market. So it could be, if you were to do testing, that you making uh, a, a grass-fed beef, sweet potato and kale, baby food from scratch from what you got from the grocery store would actually have less nutrition than our shelf stable pouch um, you know, especially, you know, especially because the sourcing is so hard, you know, try to find pasture-raised grass-fed beef or pasture-raised pork or, you know, pasture-raised turkey. Like it just, it's very, very hard to get other than from a farmer's market. So we start off with a lot of nutrition. We maintain as much as possible. The pouch is already a lower footprint. And then we partner with TerraCycle to recycle the pouches. So you can get a free envelope and mail in the pouches to TerraCycle and they'll, turn them into flower pots and park benches and you know other kinds of recycled materials
0: That's awesome. That was going to be my question. So I'm glad that you answered it is how does this relate, you know, nutrient status wise and all of that. So that's so fascinating. Um, Mm -hmm. And also just what another (laughs) fantastic reason to use your products. Because like I said, when I made my own, it was kind of like the texture wasn't quite right. I think texture is one thing that I guess you guys can even speak to as well. But for my kid, like texture is everything. I mean, there are like, he did okay with oatmeal and was like fine with it for like, four bites just because i wanted to introduce oats to see if there was more of a reaction and then literally two days later he's like nope not that texture (laughs) so the same thing with me pureeing my own meats was kind of a texture issue and he was not super into it um but kind of aside from that i do i have like three you know full bags of pouches ready to go to TerraCycle, so i love that that's an option um as well so one question i have for you guys kind of as for like a, a business standpoint you touched on it a little bit when you said Um, you started actually, you know, testing on babies, like what will babies eat? What are their favorite flavors? But if you, you know, once you decided like, okay, this could be a a business. um, And if you are someone who's thinking like, I have a business idea. What in, in your eyes was either like the most important thing you do or you did, or where did you start after you decided, Hey, we have babies that love this food. Now what do we do? Is that where you started reaching out to investors? Did you, I mean, I'm assuming there's a commercial kitchen situation that happened in, um, find, you know, finding sources, like how does that work from a business perspective and the order of events that you guys
2: Yeah. You know, Serenity and I both had failed businesses and they basically both failed for the same reason. Uh, my youth program was an amazing youth program. It was everything you could ever want from a youth program, but I started it in a place where there was not a shortage of youth programming. I was competing with tons of other programs and I couldn't succeed because there wasn't a market. And so I tried to be a paleo food diet coach. There was a very small number of people who really were going to invest in health in that way. And it wasn't like, so there wasn't a, we, we, our most important thing was determining that there was a market for what we were going to create. Because we could create a million amazing products, but if nobody wants to buy it, then it's not going to sell, no matter how great it is. And so to me, that was the first thing we did was like, do people, are we weird? Like, are there other people who want a low sugar, you know, meat, veggie baby food? Like, does that exist? So, we did a lot of research to determine if this was true. And we determined, you know, and the paleo industry had been rising at this point. So, there was actually a lot of research available on the paleo trend, the low sugar trend, and determined that yes, like 50% of Americans are trying to reduce their sugar intake. Right. So like a, there's a huge trend towards sugar. overall meat sales in the country are actually down. but grass fed and pasture raised meats are rising exponentially. So there's a huge surge in ethical meat. And so we extrapolated but based off our what we just asked all the parents we knew and our understanding of the industry data that this was a right on trend and was just it hadn't made it to the baby food aisle yet. We were going to bring it to the baby And that was a very attractive story for investors to be able to say, like, you know, we are our customer, we know what we would want, we demonstrated that the market is out there, and, you know, now we just have to fill it. Um, So the other advice we got was it has to be a quality product, you can't just fill the niche with a subpar solution, Uh, you know, you have to like make it really good. So we spent a lot of time making them taste good, making the sourcing on point. You know, we spent whatever we had to spend to make sure the product that ended on the shelf was super high quality. And then we invested a lot in the package design. For a retail, for a product that's going to be sold on a grocery store shelf, it's got to just jump out and grab you because there's just so many if you've been to the baby food aisle it's just a wall of couches so we hired a brander that didn't do baby food usually (laughs) she was actually epics brander she had done epic buyers branding um and so we she gave us a design that was much more premium, much more adult like you know it's very different than what else was out there so we stood out which was really important to send out and, and and because we're so different especially we wanted to be really strongly differentiated so you know being different from what's out there being genuinely new looking really different but also looking really good having a quality product so once they buy it once they come back and buy more you know we have like you know more than 80 percent reorder rate at this point so we have a shoot you know once you try it like like my parents, like you, they've become very loyal. So that's a really important part of the business. And then I think company culture has been the thing that we heard a lot about in those early days. Like we heard it from all the different, we, we asked for a lot of help. So we were very uh, uh, not, um, we, we knew we didn't know anything about this. We were very humble. And it's one of the things I think that has to succeed was we weren't cocky. were not cocky we like those founders like, well, it's our product what's best we're like well we don't know we're gonna ask and ask and ask so we asked all kinds of experts we got so much free advice the more we took the advice the more advice we got like when we'd go to someone and they'd give us a half an hour free of you know, thousands of dollars of consulting's worth of free time. And then we come back and say, Hey, you did all that went next. They're like, Oh my God, you actually did it. Sure. I'll tell you more. And they would give us more. So we got lots of advice and one of the, and you know, anything we could go lectures uh, there's meetup groups of people doing, you know, consumer package. Yeah. Listening pocket. We just really dove into the world of trade shows and culture was one of the things that we heard as a common theme was like, your customers will be able to feel the culture of your company. And we had learned so much about these healthy food companies who literally make themselves fat and sick by from growing their health food brand, because they're so they do nothing but travel and, you know, work, 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 work. work. And, you know, I had just been I just left the 90 hour work scene. So I was like, I'm not we're not going to do that. Like, we're not going to compromise our health. For a health food product, like it made no sense. So, we have instilled a culture in our company of work life balance, or we like to call it work life integration, so that it's all integrated and that our staff are happy and that we sponsor all these social events and we provide healthy food and we insist people take breaks and vacation. And, you know, like we're always making sure they're fed, that they're rested, that, um, that everybody feels good and happy that our relationships are good and that that culture uh, has really you know can feel that I think on the shelf like when you just pick up our pouch and read it I feel like there's a a way you can tell that we really are putting our money where our mouth is and that we're the kind of company that a mom would want to work at (laughs) if not if not buy from.
1: And in terms of your question on commercial kitchens, because of our shelf stability requirements, we actually were never able to produce kind of small batches that we could sell. So with the only things that we did were R and D we did our actually our own kitchen mm-hmm. and we had you know, we bought these, yeah, you can find them on Amazon. That's where we bought ours, these pouch fillings, squeezy things <laughs> to make the pouches. I mean, we, we had some very long days. We'd start the instant we woke up, we'd make a bunch, we'd, you know, label them and all this stuff. And then we would drive them all over town to our friend's, for our friends' friends who had these babies that were the exact right age, right, those were um, really long days, but of course, extremely useful in yeah. getting actual feedback from real customers, you know, so that worked great. Yeah.
0: yeah. So once you realized, okay, this is something I'm going to scale, um, what was, I guess, did you, I've heard a lot about um, even getting patents on simple recipes and things like that. Is that something that you kind of went to that
1: next level? Um, we, you know, we looked into it, uh, but the way that we were producing our recipe, the, the patent was not an option for us. So you have to have a specific thing that you do for patents. So that didn't work out for us. Uh, we have considered some possible future patents. Um, but those are for products that aren't out yet. So
2: it just wasn't the thing for us, you know, like our, our, our recipes aren't aren't complicated in fact we publish our recipes like we we're happy to tell you how to make the food like it's mm-hmm. not the fancy thing like yeah. the sourcing is really important and the convenience of it being the pouch is really important and then you know the values supporting a, a, a company is important so you know those are really what we're selling and so we didn't really feel like patents mm-hmm. were important
0: yeah that makes sense and at the end of the day um, as a mom and someone who's trying to feed their kid, like most people don't have the time or the patience to to cook the things all the time, hope they like it and keep doing it and have room in their freezer and all the stuff. I mean, it's just not
1: possible <laughs> for for the majority I, I of people sure. out there. Yeah. I mean, I thought for sure being a foodie and loving to cook, I thought we would make most of our own baby food. How many baby foods have we made? Zero. <laughs> Absolutely none. Yeah. Same. We
0: just don't. <laughs> you know? Yeah. We just don't. Um, Well, I guess that's kind of a a good way to kind of segue and then kind of wrap up this conversation. But like you said, there's maybe new things coming out. I'm curious to know, like, what is next? You guys seem to be at such a a high point thriving in this business and everything that you said about culture, community. Um, I mean, I just want to speak to like the people who I've communicated with who work for you guys. Um, They do such a fabulous job. I feel like your social media is so on point. Like, what do you feel like is next and what's coming? Can you share anything about how you're growing as a company and where do you see yourself maybe in like the next five years?
1: Yeah, I can a little bit about new products. So we are coming out with some new products. Some are going to launch later this year they are secret as of now but i can tell you that they are there are some in the new in the pouch format and then there are some in new formats and really what we're looking to do is to increase the age so as dela gets older And we buy competitors products. I'm like, ah, I need something to fill this gap in Mm -hmm. my life. I need a toddler snack. I need something like that. So uh, we are working very hard and coming up with some amazing products that I, I, I cannot wait to share with you. They are nutrient dense, uh, extra nutrient dense, and they are snacks. So, you know, for kids for parents with kids our age that actually want to find a snack with a purpose, you know, we are getting ready to come out with some cool things like that.
2: Mm-hmm. So a lot in the fall, we'll have, yeah, three a line of of toddler-themed nutrient-dense uh, snack meals that are will come out, you'll get to see. And then next year, we have two other lines of products coming out, so lots of growth.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Where we plan to be zero to four years old before we're said and done with this section yeah. to be a whole array of products for that age range.
1: And then, you know, five years from now, I mean... I, you know, having been a sick kid and Joe the same, right. Having been a sick kid, we really, really advocate for kids nutrition. You know, kids don't get to choose what they eat. Really the parents get to choose. And so, you know, being, if I hadn't been so sick, I would have had my baby gone to the baby food aisle at six months and thought that that's what I should feed her because that's out there, you know? And so I really want to put, more nutrient dense foods out there for a wide range of kids. I would love to make kids foods someday, you know, I mean, chicken nuggets and mac and cheese and fruit snacks is not going to cut it for my kid. And it shouldn't cut it for any other kids because that is criminal. You know, you're feeding your, your baby's trash. And so it just makes me so mad. Uh, And then we also recently learned Joe and I that, the part of the population that actually eats the worst nutritionally is, is tween age girls. So ages 10 to 13, hmm. they um, eat the worst and that broke my heart having been a teenage girl and I have two sisters and I have a daughter, right? So, you know, someday I would love to make um, super nutrient dense foods that are cool and taste awesome for older kids.
2: I really want to change the way we treat kids in this world. Uh, where we, uh, the education system, the disciplinary system, you know, like the way we parent, uh, especially the use, the overwhelming use of shame and all these systems that creates these, you know, really emotional problems. So, I'm really passionate about, you know, as a, as a kid who was you know, in, punished all the time and excluded and bullied all the time, both adults and children, you know, I really want to change this idea that kids are objects, you know, that we can do whatever we want to them, that they we, they belong to us, and, and bring back this idea of uh, integrating children into our society—that they're they're equal citizens, that they have rights, that they have a voice, that they have choices they can make, that they don't need to be manipulated or controlled—and uh, that it's actually easier way of parenting and educating kids to let them have more autonomy than to create this control model—is very. Energy, energetically expensive to maintain, and leads to all kinds of shame and depression issues that, that we don't like. So I'm really passionate about an education platform for parents because we don't know we what we don't know what we're doing. Like, it was the like having a baby was like the single scariest, hardest thing we've ever done, more than starting the company. And this I think true for all parents. So we've worked really hard to integrate. And this is where my performance background has been useful, is like creating education materials writing making videos of you know, we have this whole parent hacks series where we're giving parents you know tips and tricks of ways to make your life a little bit easier because it's really freaking hard. and that thing just that continues on into as kids grow up there's every new age stage there's like new challenges that i want to really help uh helped teach and share with parents and, and, you know, you create that education platform along with a food platform so that we're, you know, really holistically improving the lives for children and thus building a new world.
0: I love it. I mean, everything that you just said, it's so, it's so true. We have no idea what we're doing. We're all just doing the best we can. (laughs) But if there's, if there's anything that's out there, which is exactly what you're saying, like I will consume all of that content, listen to anything you have to say. You know, it's like, I follow so many different accounts on Instagram now that's like parenting tips or how to talk to your child and not, you know, tell them things like no, but explain why, or ask them questions in a different way. And it's just, yeah, it's a whole new world of like psychology and a mental aspect that you never thought you would enter as a mother or as a father or a parent at all, you know, it's so, it's so fascinating. So thank you guys so, so much. Um, and one more thing about the products, it's convenient for me. I feel very lucky that my child is literally at the age of the progression you're growing your company. So I would love to have more snack options. He is obsessed with paleo puffs. I don't know if you've had those, tried those. Yeah. He literally will eat those all day long. And I'm always like, okay, I need more snack options besides just these.
1: (laughs) Have you tried the egg white curls also by lesser evil? He didn't like those as much. Really Della loves the spicy ones.
0: Oh really? Maybe I'll have he to try again. He's <laughs> all about he's all about that salty kind of like sea salt flavor mm-hmm. and then of course I'm like reading up on what Lily Nichols had to say about salt intake for children and how it's you know the actual the the studies are kind of like well, there really aren't that many things out there that saying salt is so bad for kids. And so that's a whole other kind of tangent, but mm-hmm. yeah, I will try some of the other ones, but I'm excited.
2: 4505 four chicharrones are amazing. Oh yeah. Snack as well, so Okay. To, you, I can break them up into little pieces or she can just chew on the whole thing. Like they're great.
1: We love dried peas. Uh huh. Um, Fresh Bellies makes a, a, a freeze dried red pepper they just started selling at Whole Foods. We love those for snacks for her,
2: mm-hmm.
1: you know, yep. uh, beef jerky. She really likes chewing on that.
2: Yeah. You know, sticks. so that works well. Yeah. So I'm literally so, yeah, writing all, on on all that. Yeah. <laughs> Fabulous. Yeah.
0: Awesome. Well, thank you guys so, so much. Um, where can people find out more about you, the company, um, products? Um, maybe even if you want to say too, I know I'm in, um, California and San Diego, but like worldwide, where are you guys in stores and where can we
2: find more? Mm -hmm. You can learn about us on our website at myserenitykids.com. You can also purchase there. We have some of the best discounts and and subscription rates uh, on our website. So that's the cheapest place to get us. And then we're also on Amazon. So easy to add to your cart. Uh, We're in whole foods nationwide. So any whole foods you go into, you can get seven of our products. Uh, we are at a lot of other groceries. So we have a store locator on our website as well. You can put in your zip code and it'll tell you another other store. So we're at a lot of little co-ops and a lot of other regional grocery chains. Um, and, uh, and then, so we're only really available in the U.S. right now. So if, if you're some other country, then you need to order to your friend in the U.S. to save for you the next time you come and visit or whatever. But we, you know, eventually we want to be everywhere baby food is sold.
1: And also just since you're in California, we're also in the Irwan market, which is a Mm -hmm. really fun store. I just love to visit. And then we're getting ready to launch. We're actually, we just launched in Wegmans for your Northeast listeners. Mm -hmm. They can go find us there.
2: Yep. And we're on Instagram and Facebook, My Serenity Kids. So follow us there. You can see all our videos and parenting hacks and learn more about our sourcing and infant nutrition. We have a free infant nutrition ebook you can download from our website. You, it comes free with any purchase as well. It tells you basically how to make your own baby food, how to plan your baby's diet. And, uh, you know, we love to hear from you. So, anybody reach out anytime, get feedback, questions,
1: new products you want to see. Like, we love it all. Tell us everything. Yeah. Perfect.
0: And then, one last little announcement I wanted to make is I'm getting ready to do a giveaway with you guys. And it's going to be with Serenity Kids and also Force of Nature Meats. So, You guys are able to, it's going to be an Instagram giveaway, but the potential to win five cases of Serenity Kids baby food and then $100 of force of nature ground meat. So I will be posting that coming up. This episode is going to air um, actually, well, for you guys, when you guys are hearing it, it's airing right now, but it'll air in one week um, for Serenity and Joe. And um, yeah, thank you guys so much for being here to find out more about them. We'll link all of their information in the show notes. More from me, Ali, you can find me at barefoodnutrition.com on Instagram at barefoodnutrition. And then more from Chelsea, you guys can always find her at Nutrition with Chelsea and nutritionwithchelsea.com. Thank you guys so much. And we'll see you guys next week. Thanks. Thanks for having Thanks. us. Thank you all so much for being here and for listening. I wanted to let you know that I do have a code for Serenity Kids, and this will save you 15% on your very first order. So at checkout, be sure to type in my code, which is Allie Hobson, A-L-L-I-E-H-O-B-S-O-N.